Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Rotowire Signature NHL Hockey Pod Podcast with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host, as always, is AJ Scholes, a great follow at AJ Scholes24, based in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, near Rotowire headquarters over in Madison. We are grateful for the support, continuing support of our sponsors at Owner Box, and we're going to tell you a little bit about them later on in the show. But for now, off the top, AJ, I have three things that I want to run by you. I'm looking forward to your, your reaction and knocking that around between us. First of all, there's a new executive leadership in Montreal. Jeff Gordon becomes the executive VP, replacing GM Mark Bergeron, who was fired last week. Do you want to see... For instance, Patrick Waugh replacing him, or the front runner that I'm hearing about is a guy who used to be a former player, another former player in the league, but he's in the executive ranks in Tampa as their uh, director of hockey ops, and his name is Matthew Darsh. And that fulfills both of these guys fulfill one of the requirements. They got to speak French. Jeff Corton certainly does not. Yeah, the thing I like about the hire, so I I, I get why the the team always wants to hire, you know, a, a GM and or coach that, that are French speaking. I, I totally understand that. Um, you know, the, the fan base is such that, that they speak French. I mean, that's, so you have to be able to communicate with them, but I like this move to kind of break it into two, like essentially two jobs, right? Like Jeff Gordon now becomes kind of the behind the scenes guy. So in that sense, like it doesn't really matter that he can't speak French because he's not going to be the like face of the GM aspect of it. And then they bring in somebody else who will be like the GM and do more of the, the front facing side of it. And so I, I really like that because as much as I agree with why they want to go that route, you have to imagine like they're always limiting themselves, right? They're, they're always limited to this subset of guys um, available for, for coaches and, and the general manager. So I, I do like the two-player shift. The name I've actually heard tossed out most, uh, obviously a little further away than you, Paul, but is Daniel Briere, right. um, former, uh, you know, obviously from Quebec, uh, spent most of his career, I guess you would say like Phoenix, Buffalo, Philadelphia, some sort of combination of those three teams, did have a, a one-season stint with Montreal, um, so I, I actually really like that hire um, as well. But I, I don't think there's any names that I've seen that would necessarily be bad for the team. Um, I do think as an outside observer, as a non-Habs fan, Patrick Waugh would be the fantastic choice because I'm sure that would not blow up in their face ever at all. <laughs> Can you imagine the first time things go awry if he gets upset like he did in that nine? Nine spot game that he gave up his last effort in goal. I think that would be fun. Fireworks city. And I think that's the, the least likely option of the three that we covered. And I love the pick that you brought up. Daniel Briere certainly is another name that was mentioned. Uh, Darsh, though, is, is a guy that is maybe the lesser known of all three. He, too, was an former NHLer. And he's cutting his teeth, as I said, in Tampa. And uh, that would be uh, an interesting move because it would weaken the front office, per se, of a, of a division rival. And uh, maybe Montreal might consider that if they do get permission to talk to the guy. But I think there are three interesting choices. And I think that uh, they're faced with a bit of a task, though, AJ, with the, with the salary cap issues that they face, Shea Weber's situation, and long-term contract. They're probably going to wind up on LTIR for the rest of it. And uh, maybe Carey Price uh, will be an issue, too, going forward, given that he's just started a long-term deal and he's had a bit of a... 
a tur- turbulent season uh, and hasn't even played yet. So trouble in Montreal, and I'm curious to see how they uh, dig out of it. Uh, second issue, AJ, and this one I tipped you off before the show. There was a talk show here in Toronto mentioning Brad Marchand. We talked about last week that he got suspended uh, for uh, an incident, and uh, a slew foot incident, and he further uh, vilified himself by chirping at Artemi Panarin and kind of getting to, to the heart of him with a couple of uh, well, uh, well-timed and well-executed chirps that talk about his, his uh, homeland and, and uh, kind of chided him for, uh, for some, some of the things that he's been going through off the ice with uh, the Russian uh, hierarchy over there. So uh, I, I ask you, like, like it was put on the radio, when you think about Brad Marchand, do you think about Brad Marchand, the all-star winger who's likely to be the first-line winger on Team Canada or and future Hall of Famer in all likelihood? Or do you think about the super pest that licks faces and slew foots and, and is responsible for a myriad of, of uh, issues that have gotten him suspended in his career? Well, I mean, I, I think I do think there's some perspective that needs to be had here. Um, you and I obviously are fans of teams that uh, play against him a little bit more frequently, the Atlantic, and then obviously the, the Penguins have had plenty of cr- clashes with Boston over the years as well. So I will say you and I probably have a bit of a skewed perspective. I'll, I'll acknowledge that. But in answer to your question, Absolutely. The first thing I think of uh, when I think of Brad Marchand is dirty player, like uh, maybe not dirty, but like cheap, obnoxious. Um, I mean, this is a second slew footing suspension in his career. You know, there's uh, you look at his list. There's there's elbowing twice, clipping twice, spearing uh, on there as well. Like none of these are I don't know. It's like none of them are. It's, it's hard to say excusable. I don't want to say excusable because anytime there's like a, a suspension, it's really not excusable. But none of them are like, oh, this happened in the course of play. And like, you know, you could see where it accidentally happened. It's still a suspensionable offense. But, you know, you could give the player the benefit of the doubt that maybe it wasn't intentional. Like you look at this list of stuff and it's like, nah, you knew what you were doing on each one of these. Yeah, and that's the part that I can't get past. And and it comes down to character issues. And I know a baseball Hall of Fame makes an issue of some of that stuff and as well as some of the other off-field stuff that happens in that sport. So I could see him maybe not getting in as a first ballot Hall of Famer with some some reporters who carry that same grudge that that I'll admit to uh, myself and maybe you do too, but I won't speak for you. <laughs> but uh, an interesting case will come around when he is eligible for sure. And I can't wait to see it. He's got miles to go in his career though. So we don't should be it. interesting to note though, Paul, you said we we're never going to talk about Brad Marchand again on this show. <laughs> and now you just devoted an entire segment to talking about him. I know it's a new season. <laughs> I'm feeling good. I figured I'd give the guy a reprieve and I, th- I think talking about him, creates interesting discussion. So hopefully when people listen to this pod and download it, uh, I'm curious to see what kind of reaction we get uh, from people who are on either side of the issue when it comes to his name. And the third one, AJ, that I want to talk about is Nazem Kadri. Maybe I could call him uh, Brad Marchand Light because he came back to Toronto yesterday. And I mentioned to you, uh, Fair, that you probably didn't see this interview, but he did an interview locally with uh, Christine Simpson of Hockey Night in Canada. And he kind of 
ch- chided the, the media saying, I don't really know why I got uh, traded out of Toronto. I don't really know what I did wrong. Well, I'm here to tell you the straight goods. He got suspended twice when he was a Maple Leaf in the playoffs. And the club lost a big advantage that they had in terms of depth at center because of, of his absence for the duration of the playoffs. And then he did it again in, in uh, with Colorado last year. So he's got to be walking a bit of a tightrope in ter- terms of his behavior. And I can't wait to see what version of him we get in the postseason. But if he wants to know why he was, was uh, traded out of Toronto, that's why. I'd like to know what you think. Well, to your point, Paul, he's he's been suspended six times. I mean, so one, that's that's obviously a lot. Um, but you look at the dates on these suspensions. The, the very first one is in November. But after that, it's March, April, 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 and then May. It's like he only gets suspended at the end of the year. So to your point, Paul, like it's, it's it is clear that it's. It's an issue like, dude, like clearly you get suspended at the worst time, you know, at this point, almost every year. Um, So, yeah, you know, I I would agree. I think they had to make that decision, you know, to to move on from him, because like you said, the, the timing of those suspensions is just awful. Yeah, and I mean, talking about his uh, on-ice performance this year, he's been fantastic. We we both know that he's scoring a ton, and he's really bridged the gap that they had when McKinnon was out of the lineup, and we'll talk about McKinnon's return to their, their lineup and the impact that it will have. So he's really been a bit, a bit of a godsend for them, leading the team in scoring this year so far. But it's just like, you know, I'm I, I'm excited about the Maple Leafs going 15-2 and two in their last 17 games, but I'm the first one to say, it's November, folks. It's not March, April, or May when it matters. So this is like an 82-game dress rehearsal for the likes in Colorado and Toronto. The serious shooting starts much later in the season, and we'll see what both teams are made of at that point, and if this guy can keep his act clean. So, AJ, those are the headline news, and we want to dive in, though, to our look at the teams because there's a lot of streaks going both both directions. So this is a streaky edition of the podcast, and I can't wait to get dig into it. So let me kick it off. With a look at Anaheim, this is a club that is scoring up, up a storm this year. Their goal score is way up. They're getting decent enough goaltending that they win more often than they, than they have in the last couple of years. They went 3-1 and one last week. And Andrew, Andrew Stolarz is a guy that we've talked about in this space, wondering if and when he's going to get a shot. He was in that for two games and two wins last week, a total of five goals against. He's not going to unseat John Gibson anytime soon, but he gives them a credible second option in that season when there's lots of back-to-back games. So that's another bit of good news that Anaheim can count on their second-string goalie for some some good outings. And speaking of good outings, Troy Terry just continues to churn and burn three more goals to his ledger. I can't believe that he's available in uh, in the big league that I'm uh, fantasy league that I'm playing in, but I'm going to change that. I put a claim in for him right after this show. Uh, Lundstrom with three goals, Lindholm with two goals, Raquel two and one, and Trevor Segrist is, is uh, finding his way and doing it with style. Five assists last week, and uh, he's a, a contender for for big recognition this year, I think, in the rookie scoring. And uh, Milano, with four assists, round out the guys that are making noise for the Ducks uh, so far this season. Well, look, with Arizona, like, let's just skip the on-ice product because we know it's not good. So I'm, I'm going to bring up something else that I saw today in, in regards to Arizona, and that's uh, reportedly there's a, a report from Forbes indicating that the team is once again for sale 
but with the target of moving the organization uh, to Houston, which I thought was very interesting to see. Obviously, the team came out immediately, you know, full force denied all of these reports. But uh, we had talked previously, Paul, about the potential for a team up in, in Quebec City. Uh, I think Houston, maybe on the grand scale, is, is a larger market. Um, but in terms of teams that could potentially move, I do think the only one that would really be in the mix, unless somebody's finances have taken a, a real hit over the last two years, is Arizona. Um, and I just don't see the team going through a, an expansion beyond 32. It, honestly, it feels too much to go beyond that. So if the NHL does want to get into Houston, it almost has to be Arizona, right? Yeah, I agree with you. And I think it's a shame that that we're having to talk about Arizona's off-ice stuff as opposed to the on-ice program. They've got some production out of Phil Kessel this year that's going to make him uh, a tradable commodity if people want to take a a chance to upgrade their offense. He's He's a great piece there, and they'd be wise to try and find some way to get more futures in there as quickly as possible, but spend some money, darn it. That's the issue. And really it's, it's looking like a poor cousin in the NHL. And to your point, maybe the, maybe the best thing that happens is they get relocated unless they can figure something out in their, in their current location. The Boston Bruins, uh, familiar names dot the uh, landscape in terms of scoring leadership. It's that production line, uh, perfection line that's scoring all the points, but there's some feathers being ruffled down the, below in the roster, and so it's more off-ice concerns when we talk here. DeBrusque, Jake DeBrusque is a guy who a couple of years ago, AJ, he got 27 goals, followed it up with 19, but now he sees his path to top six scoring blocked by even second-line winger Taylor Hall, so he's not going to get a scoring opportunity in the top six anytime soon here. So he's gone ahead and, and requested a trade from the club, and I think they're going to try and to execute it, but I, I think it's going to be tougher than than they than they realize. It's not going to happen right away. They might just let them sit for a while and stew. And and uh, I wonder if they're going to get top value for him. But uh, I'm sure at the end of the day, they're going to try and find find somebody. They're going to look for a piece that can help them this year. They need to bolster the attack, get some depth scoring. So they're going to try and find whoever they can that can fit the bill. But DeBrusque looks like he's lit the fuse on on. Uh, something that's going to take him out of the Boston mix. And it's a shame because I think the guy's a talented forward and uh, just uh, found himself in a tough situation over there right now. If there's one guy that's happy that, you know, Marshawn is suspended, it's, it's gotta be DeBrus because they, they were to your point, Paul, I think they were ready to just let him, you know, sit and stew for a little while. Um, But then, you know, Anton building gets uh, and whatever. Anton. (laughs) Uh, thank you. And then Brad Marchand gets suspended and, and they don't have a, a choice but to put DeBrusque in the lineup. So it, it is interesting to see how that, unfortunately, for for the team brass has has changed there. In Buffalo, uh, a 1-1-1 one, one, one week. I think the headline here uh, is twofold. It's Jeff Skinner uh, finding some goals over the last week, three goals plus two assists. Um, two of those five points coming on the man advantage there. And he's on pace right now. For a 30-goal season, I mean, I, I think his contract is probably just too long, um, honestly, for this to garner any interest uh, outside of it. But as far as, you know, Buffalo's concerned, it's certainly a good sign to have a guy who's making $9 million a year um, to, to 
be producing offensively. It's, you know, what they've been hoping for. They didn't get last season. So uh, kind of good news there. And then also it looks like they will get back Casey Middlestat tonight in, in a, you know, for the first time since the season opener when he gets hurt. We've got him penciled in for a third-line spot with uh, Gergensen and, and Asplund, but I would expect him to really push for more. And honestly, you know, as he gets up to speed, I, I would like to see Middlestat playing with Skinner and, and Olofsson in that top line, and, and that's not a knock on Tage Thompson necessarily. He's having a really good year with, you know, 16 points in, in 22 games, but uh, Casey Middlestat, I think, is the – you know, better, more, you know, long-term prospect here. And it is a natural center. Let's not forget Tage Thompson came into the league as a winger as well. In Carolina, they had their first losing week of the season partner. And uh, surprising that Gasperi Kapkaniemi is the, the big name among the scorers this past week, because for the first five weeks, we didn't hear too much of him. And we th- we kind of got the prevailing sentiment that this could be a one and done in Carolina for him because he signed the big contract. Uh, it was the, it was a shot across the bow of the Canadians again, and uh, they didn't match the, the uh, offer the offer sheet that came his way. And so Carolina's experimented with him, and it really hasn't worked out. He's still listed as a bottom six forward here. They're going to try him at center to see if they can get more traction out of him going forward. But there's another guy that's also raised a bit of a concern for me, and that's Toivo Terabainen. A couple of years ago, he was – entrenched as a top six winger playing alongside Sebastian Ajo. They had a really nice uh, relationship in terms of the the chemistry that they had on the ice. But uh, Ajo's just continued to rise and become a, the real leader offensively with this club and Teravainen instead and now finds himself in a bottom six situation and hasn't scored a goal in the last five games. So uh, I'm curious to see what kind of uh, future he has in, in Carolina and if he can turn it around and get back to a top six role and uh, in the Nets Freddie Anderson uh, slumping a little bit of late he has given up eight goals in three over three losses and uh, only 62 shots in those three games in total so the save percentage is not very good either so Freddie's in a bit of a slump I've seen this before and hopefully for Carolina he snaps out of it because the, he's the guy that they uh, brought in for big bucks to see if they could uh, take the next step in the NHL playoffs. For the Flames, uh, a one-in-one week, not a ton of offense in these two games. You, you've got um, you know two goals against Winnipeg on Saturday, then two goals against Pittsburgh on Monday here. Uh, so really uh, a pretty slow offensive week from from that standpoint, but. You know, they are continuing to lead the NHL in goals allowed per game at 1.95. You know, again, you know, they limited Pittsburgh to just one goal. Uh, Chicago the week before two, Boston zero, the Islanders two, Buffalo zero. I mean, really that game against Winnipeg when they gave up four is kind of the outlier for how good this team has been defensively. And so from a fantasy standpoint, like, maybe shy away from some of these guys a little bit just because they're not relying heavily on, on the offense here. You still have Johnny Gaudreau getting two helpers uh, in those, those two games, but I just don't expect it to be a team that's going to go out and they're going to win, you know, four five, six goal games uh, that often. I'm expecting more low scoring just because they have been so defensively solid. Yeah, and you can credit Dan Blatter as well as uh, their top guy, Markstrom, and that's both of them have been really good. So the net mining has really 
uh, catapulted this team to to the next level in the, in the NHL, and they're one of the top teams in the first quarter. And Chicago's trying to trying to get some traction too, and they're leaning on one of your favorites, and Mark Andre Fleury. We talked about him earlier in our DraftKings hit today when I pointed out over his last six games, nine goals against. So the Flowers at the top of this game. They only went one and one in two games over the past seven days, but it looks like he's got his game together, and that's great news for Chicago. But it's also worth pointing out that Brandon Hagel is a guy that fits my sidekick theory. He's playing with Kane and Taves on that top line, and he's making good on that with three goals in his last four games, a guy that we didn't forecast to be in the top six at the beginning of the year, but lo and behold, he's making the best of a really good opportunity. And it might be at the expense of Dylan Strome, a guy that I've had a lot of time for. I, I watched this guy as a junior, AJ, and I, he was mentioned in the same breath as Mitch Marner back in the day. And they were only one pick apart in the draft when they were uh, their uh, expansion draft. Uh, their entry draft came due. So that's the profile that he has had as a junior, but it's really hasn't materialized in, in the pros. And uh, he's been bouncing around from left wing to center to right wing. Now he's got a role and a good role for, for him. It, it, he winds up on the right wing on the second line, but I wonder, he's coming off a couple of DNPs that's did not plays. So he's been in the press box for a couple of games, and you wonder if, if they're going to get a more motivated version, uh, somebody who can reach the potential that uh, I've long waited for in, in Chicago from him. In Columbus, uh, we got to talk about the goalie situation that's been unfolding today in, in terms of who they're going to get between the pipes tonight. So first reports came out from the team that they called up uh, Daniel Tarasov from the minors, and he was going to start because both Mirza Lickens and Corpus Allo were ill. Uh, they did classify it as non-COVID illness. Now it seems Mirza Lickens might still be available. Um, that So that tone has changed a little bit. Corpus Allo definitely won't play. Um, so a very up-in-the-air goaltending situation in Columbus tonight. If you were thinking about maybe using one of them, uh, I personally would, would shy away from it just because it is so uncertain or be ready to make a, you know, kind of a last minute uh, change. We probably at this point won't know who's starting for them until, uh, until they come onto the ice for warmups outside of the goaltending situation. This last week uh, saw Adam Boquist really lead the way for them with three goals and one assist. And then I think we should talk about uh, Jacob Vorisak for a minute here. He had two assists this last week. On the year, he's sitting 13th overall in total assists with, with 17 in 20 games. And really, this was a move that kind of flew under the radar in, in a lot of ways um, when they when they brought him in here. And, and I just think, you know, you have to tip your hat to, to them for, for picking up a guy like Vorisak. Uh, really, you know, they gave up Cam Atkinson, who, I don't know, Cam Atkinson hasn't been that you know, hasn't been great this year um, for the Flyers. So I really think that this one, as we've watched it, you know, Atkinson 12 points in, in 21 games, but I think Vorisak's having the better year. Um, and so for, for my money, I think Columbus is currently winning this trade. Yeah, I would agree. Ken Atkinson came, stormed out of the gate, if you'll recall. He had six goals in the first nine games, something like that, but really gone quiet since then. But Vorisak has been central to that offense and doing what he's done in his first part of his career when he was with Philadelphia. And 
he used to be a great setup guy, one of the better playmaking wingers. And I like I like those guys. I like his profile. And I think he's well suited to a top six role, which was not afforded to him always in the last couple of years in Philly. So he's becoming the best version of himself once again. I'm happy to see it. In Colorado, they went one and two last week, but they're uh, pretty excited about the fact that Nate McKinnon has returned to the lineup. His debut back with the club was last night, and they got stormed by the Maple Leafs in an 8-3 to three, three drubbing. But McKinnon looked good, AJ. He, his shot delivery was what we're used to seeing. His skating was up to par. So I think he's hitting the ice running, and they have some structure back to their top six that's familiar what we forecast at the beginning of the season. The wild card there, though, has been Valery Nichushkin, and he's fit in like a, a glove on that second scoring line. Uh, since he broke into this league, AJ, I was thinking this guy has the size, apparently the skill, to be a dominant force here. But he bounced around, and we both were scratching our heads for a couple of seasons, wondering why can't this guy put it all together. But it seems like he is right now, and that really has solidified the top six alongside the aforementioned Nazem Kadri, who's having a career year for them, too. And beyond that, Kale McCarr is making a mockery of the Norris trophy race. I think that, that he's got it locked up already, partner. I don't know if you feel differently, but I don't know if anybody who's going to challenge him the way he's scoring right now and dominating play when he's on the ice. Even though they did get beat in a lopsided score, he looked very dangerous again last night. Well, Paul, I, I certainly agree uh, with you on, on McCarr here, but I do think let's not totally sleep on Adam Fox, uh, who's certainly in the mix here as well. Um, but, you know, there, there's – McCarr, I would say, is – I agree. He's probably leading the way right now. If you ask voters to vote right now, I would expect he would win. Um, but Adam Fox isn't going to go quietly into the night here. Uh, in Dallas, 3-0 and last week, a five-game winning streak over that stretch. I think it's, you know, we should look at the teams that they beat during this five-game winning streak. You're talking about the Blues, eh, Edmonton, who's been really good this year, Colorado, obviously, uh, Arizona, meh, and then Carolina. So they've beaten, you know, three really good teams over this five-game stretch. So get Columbus tonight, which you would expect, um, based on their recent performance, that they should, uh, you know, trounce them. And it's not just one guy that's carrying the load for them. In in those three games, they've gotten two wins out of Braden Hopi with a 9.58 save percentage. They got one win from Jake Ottinger, 9.70 uh, save percentage. It's going to be Ottinger who goes tonight. Um, and I think it was interesting to hear. You don't you know you don't hear a lot of talk about matchups with goalies in today's NHL about how they match up against teams in, in a lot of ways. At least I don't feel like I do. But they talked about the fact that they played Holpe against Carolina because he could move the puck better, and that uh, would counteract one of Carolina's uh, strengths, which is the forecheck there. So it was interesting to see, uh, to hear a team talk about switching a goaltender because of that. Outside of the Nets, uh, look, what a week uh, for um, Joe Pavelski. Seven points in those three games. Rube Hintz had four goals in that stretch. And it's interesting to note none of those points uh, for either of those guys came on the power play. So they've been having to score five on five and, and finding a way to, to rack up wins. Yeah, and that line quite quietly has become one of the more dominant ones in the NHL when you consider Jason Robertson having a fine year. Rupi Hintz, seven goals and two helpers in his last five games. So right now, the, the top line in Dallas doesn't feature the names that we're used to seeing in Sagan and Radulov and uh, 
Jamie Benn. They're uh, depth scorers now on a team that is riding the highs of that trio that you mentioned. The Detroit Red Wings come into this week on a four-game winning streak. Alex Nedeljkovic receded for two of the wins last week with a total of three goals against Lucas Raymond. I'll make the case here, and I wonder if you have a differing view. I think he's way ahead of the pack in terms of uh, potential for for Calder Trophy recognition and uh, maybe has a couple of competitors that we've talked about one already, and we'll get to one with the Leafs. Oddly enough, that we'll talk about later. So that's a bit of a horse race, and and right now, uh, Raymond is a bit of a surprise that uh, came out of the blocks quicker than than we thought at the beginning of the season. Moritz Sider is a guy who's still piling up some points on the back end with three assists. Dylan Larkin, this guy reminds me an awful lot of a young Steve Eiserman, AJ, and that's high praise, I know. But Eiserman took a couple of seasons to really find his way as a leader here, and I think Larkin is is following that same trend. And he's got Eisenman up in the press box, maybe showing him a lot of things about leadership. And, and I'm seeing a lot of that translate to what's happened, what he's doing on the ice. And uh, getting some support and scoring from Nemesnikov. This guy's been piling up the points early this season, too. So depth scoring happening in Detroit. And they're a tougher out that a lot of teams figured because they also have some pretty good goaltending. Well, Paul, you, you kind of mentioned that uh, Lucas Raymond came out of nowhere and could that be more evident than the fact that Team Sweden has been uh, has requested an exemption from the IIHF after they left Lucas Raymond off the, their 55-man Olympic long list? So you're talking about 55 guys that they felt were better suited for their Olympic squad than Lucas Raymond. And now they're, they're certainly backpedaling after the start he's had to this year and, and trying to get him... Uh, available for their roster after not being on that initial list in Edmonton. Uh, look, sound the alarms. Uh, everything is falling apart here. Leon Dreisaitl just one assist in their last two games. Uh, really a, a tough week for him. <laughs> Obviously I am kidding here. Um, they are on a three game win streak. Koskinen has been phenomenal. Two wins over that stretch with just four goals allowed. They've gotten three goals out of Zach Hyman. And, of course, Connor McDavid continuing to produce uh, four points in his last two games. I do think it's interesting that in those two games, they haven't gotten any power play production, uh, which is a, a bit strange for a team that has from basically the onset of the year and still continues to lead the league in power play percentage. They're still sitting at 35.9, which is you know, almost it actually is more than six percentage points clear of the next closest team. Um, but obviously they are having a few struggles. Maybe other teams in the NHL are figuring them out, but I don't think it really matters when you have the kind of talent that they can put on the ice. AJ, we're, I'm not even a third of the way through all the teams we're talking about, or maybe just there. Well, now we'll talk about Florida, but this is the third team among the leaders in the league that stumbled last week. They too went one and two. Uh, the news off the ice is where I'll start. When uh, we talk about their team leadership and their captain, Alexander Barkov, he's still about a week or two away from rejoining the club, but he did resume skating. And so that's a positive development. But on the downside, Anthony Duclair is listed as day-to-day with a lower body injury. This guy's provided some pretty good consistent scoring out of the block so far this year. And, uh, 
been getting some outstanding work from Sergei Bobrovsky, a guy that I've panned a lot since he signed for the big bucks over over in Florida, but he's delivering the goods. He's 10 and 1 with a 218 goals against average. Meanwhile, Spencer Knight, we talk about a rook, the rookie race. He's not a part of it uh, so far. His goals against average is north of three. He's a sec- definitely a second stringer here and only been a part of eight decisions so far for this powerhouse club. They're getting a lot of scoring despite the fact Barkov is out of the lineup. His normal running mate, Jonathan Huberdeau, has really stepped up and got four points last week. But Aaron Black Ekblad is a guy I want to land on for a bit, AJ. When when you think about, uh, I've discussed potential sco- trophies uh, awarded uh, early in the, at the quarter mark. He, this guy's in line also for some discussion in the Norris race because of the outstanding scoring that he's been doing and also playing a, a tower, being a tower of power on the blue line for them. So and add another name to a very competitive uh, Norris uh, race, and it should be interesting to see which one emerges. There's a lot of good rear guards in this league right now, and Ekblad's another one. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. And another uh, defenseman that we can talk about here is Drew Doughty. Came back from uh, an extended injury absence to play uh, earlier this week against Anaheim. Logged 27.55 of ice time. So they clearly didn't ease him back into this one. Uh, Picked up an assist. And that's good news for a team that's just won three and three in their last seven games. Uh, To to get a player of his caliber back will certainly help them kind of bolster uh, that blue line. Obviously, the other news, uh, Brendan Lemieux suspended five games for the biting incident uh, on uh, on Brady to Chuck, which, you know, he can't be the first player in this league that has wanted to bite it to Chuck over the course of of NHL history. (laughs) Yeah, that's for sure. The guy in Calgary is probably – turned some heads and their father was a bit of a piece of work too. One of the toughest guys though in the NHL that I ever saw in Minnesota. This is a team that's got all, got it all going on right now. And uh, an offense that has really grown in the last couple of seasons is really flourishing at the moment, four straight wins on their record. And Cam Talbot's been outstanding in the Nets. Two more wins last week and a total of three goals against in his two starts. Marcus Foligno leading the scoring parade with two goals and a helper is having a bit of a breakout campaign. Matt Zuccarello staying healthy, which is a good sign and a rarity for him. Uh, now that he's back in the lineup, he looks like it looks good again and two goals to his ledger. Hartman with two goals and two helpers. Bit of a surprise contributor, but steady all season long. So he's one guy that's come out. Uh, as a bit of a sleeper pick that, that has turned out well so far. But uh, the guy that stirs the drink right now is Kirill Kaprizov. Uh, strong sophomore season, buoyed by seven more points last week. And his scoring partner, Kevin Fiala, chipping in with three assists as well. So all kinds of offense coming from this team. And uh, everybody's just getting the score sheet for, for Minnesota these days. In Montreal, it's a mixed bag in terms of uh, the additions and subtractions to the lineup here. Uh, we'll start with the good news first uh, for for Habs fans. Chris Weidman, Brett Kulak, and Matthew Perot will all be back in the lineup tonight. Uh, that will obviously bolster their defense that has been a little bit uh, weaker. Obviously, Perot, for his part, uh, adds some bottom six depth, depth and is a bit of a power play specialist for them. On the bad news side of it, both Brendan Gallagher and Sammy Niku are in the COVID protocol, so they'll be without them. In terms of Gallagher, I think the player to look at is Jake Evans, who's in line to move over to the wing and play along Arturi Lekkanen and Nick Suzuki in a second-line role. So, like I said, a bit of good news, a bit of bad news. 
as far as the offense goes, it's been mostly that in that first line. Tyler Toffoli, a goal and two assists. Christian Dvorak, same. And then Josh Anderson, three goals and one assist in their last three games. So really have become very top line heavy. And losing a player like Brendan Gallagher certainly isn't going to help that at all. AJ in New Jersey, I've got something that really surprised me. I want to get your reaction. Uh, Jack Hughes, a formerly a top draft pick in this league, he's had issues with with staying healthy and and scoring at a pace that uh, I don't think measures up with the contract that he signed last week. Eight years at $8 million a season. That seems a little bit high for me. What do you think about that kind of a deal for a guy who's in his third season and really – uh, I don't, I think this was a bit of a reach, if you ask me. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I, I think the money, the total dollars is is a little bit uh, on the high side here. You know, part of it is the, you know, COVID, like from when he came into the league, we haven't really seen him in a full 82-game season, a normal schedule. Um, but I do agree. I, I think this early uh, eight million does seem a little bit high. Of course, if he has you know two or three good years here, you know they they're going to be uh, loving the fact that he signed to eight million. From a player side of it, you got to love the fact that you just cashed in for sixty four million dollars on an eight year deal, and you're only going to be twenty nine when it runs out. Like twenty nine is prime for signing another big six seven year contract, especially if his career. Uh, projects the way it's supposed to after being a first round pick. So for, for that side, for the player side of it, it is a fantastic deal. Yeah. I think he's got to be thrilled, but uh, I'm scratching my head because they've got three centers now uh, that have skill and they're having to put one on the wing. And oddly enough right now, it's Jack Hughes getting the wing positions alongside Nico Heischer because Dawson Mercer has been scoring up a storm. He was a guy that wasn't projected to be a scoring line pivot uh, this early on in his development, but he's had a strong start to his career, and he's right in there in the, in the second line right now. And that second line is flourishing because Andreas Johnson is on a heater himself, and he's scoring uh, like he did in the, in the Calder Cup chase for the Toronto Marlies a couple of years ago. Didn't, I haven't seen this kind of production of him uh, in the early years as a pro. He was a bit streaky with the Leafs, but never really afforded the top six opportunities. So he's making good on the chance now, and I don't think there's any turning back for him. So some good news there, but a real head-scratcher among the contracts uh, that are being handed out. Also in the Nets, they have to be happy in New Jersey that that's looking solidified as both Mackenzie Blackwood and Jonathan Bernier have goals against under three and uh, that's a credit to them more than the defensive structure here. I'll say those are two talented goalies. Look, Paul, I don't know about you, but I feel like the Predators are just quietly sliding under the radar. I think some of it has to do with like I'm not noticing them because they're not showing up on injury lists. They're they're pretty much healthy. Hopefully, I didn't just jinx their entire team to you know come down with something. But um, you know, so I. And they're not like none of their players are at the top of production list, but they're certainly not bad. But they're sitting third in the central division right now. Um, they're seven at four at home, which has historically been, you know, Bridge uh, Bridgestone Arena there has been historically very hard to play in. And that's exactly what they want here. Uh, so, you know, right now, this is a playoff team getting good production. Philip Forsberg, four goals two assists, Mikael Granlin, one goal, five assists in their last three games, Matt Duchesne and Ryan Johansson, both with four points 
over that stretch as well. So it's like all the guys that they want to produce are producing. Uh, the goaltending has been solid, led by UC Saros this season. He has two wins and two goals allowed in their last three games. Um, I, I just, you know, it feels like they're having a really good year, but it, they're not being talked about that much, at least uh, not in, you know, the the circles that I'm seeing. Yeah, and it's funny because I mentioned on today's hit with DraftKings again uh, that uh, Michael Grandlin was a guy that was almost on the outs and the Maple Leafs were inquiring about his availability before the season started to see if they could pry him loose here. And it's probably a good thing Nashville did hold on in because along with him, they got a couple other guys that are on uh, on pace for their best seasons in Nashville colors, and that's Ryan Johansson and Matt Duchesne who continue to score regularly for this club each of them got four points last week and Grandland got six so offense not an issue here for a team that we normally speak of highly in terms of a strong defensive structure but they're paying pairing both together right now and it's no wonder they're a winning team thus, thus far this season the same can't be said for the new york islanders at the beginning of the year i believe i picked this team first in the division aj and i Really don't think that's happening. <laughs> they're, they're on an eight-game losing streak, and much of the blame for that is just simply because I don't think any team in the league can survive the loss of their top four defensemen to injury and or COVID. The good news here is that Adam Palak and Andy Green are out of the COVID protocol, and along with Andrews Vian and Ross Johnson are headed back into the lineup. Uh, unless you have more information than me, that's the best news out of the island, and they really need some good news because it's been – uh, almost time to to really panic with the way things have unfolded in the last month for them. Yeah, in terms of those guys coming back, um, it does look like Anders Lee, Josh Bailey, Adam Pellich, and Andy Green will all be in action. Um, obviously, they're still without Brock Nelson. That was that wasn't COVID related. Zdeno Chara, Casey Sazikis are still out. K- uh, Kiefer Bellows as well. So. Pretty um, banged up squad that's going to, you know, play some games for the first time in a little bit over a week. And, Paul, I, I went to the tape here and, and took a look. We both had the Islanders finishing second in oh, the Metro here. So, um, yeah, not looking good there. We were also both on the Hurricanes. or uh, Yeah, the Hurricanes to win. I feel a little bit better about that one than, uh, yeah. than the other one there. So, um <laughs> But, yeah, all, all things uh, considered, the, the Islanders, it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back from this. Sticking with New York, uh, we'll take a look at the Rangers, who uh, are coming off another good week for them. Uh, this team, again, has been playing really well of late, primarily on the back of Igor Shesterkin. They're on a four-game winning streak. He got two wins just three goals allowed uh, in his in this you know past week here. All four of those wins are are his. He's started six straight games for them. Is gonna go again uh, tomorrow by by all accounts. It looks like they'll obviously give the second game. They're heading into a back to back. But uh, defensively, he has just been fantastic this year. Twelve wins in seventeen games played. Uh, and his name, if you go and check out, if you go head over to our friends at DraftKings, the, the DraftKings Sportsbook here, look at Vesna Trophy uh, odds. You'll see Shesterkin is second now um, behind Vasilevsky. So uh, really, you know, might might be a good time to jump on that. Uh, maybe take a take a run at that. In terms of the offense, you know, it's a lot of the same names that that we're used to that have been producing. Truba with two goals, Panarin four points. 
Hunt, three points. Fox with the trio of assists. Like I said, he's not going to simply let somebody take that Norris trophy away from him. Yeah, Jacob Truba is the name that leaps off the page among the ones you mentioned because it was a few years ago when he was with New York. AJ, uh, when he was, sorry, in his previous stop in Winnipeg, I keep getting that mixed up, but he was with Winnipeg earlier in his career and he showed an offensive upside that all but disappeared when he started with the Rangers. And it's good to see him reviving that in the last several weeks. And I think he's a strong pickup in season long uh, pools if you're, you have the chance. In Ottawa, they're looking to change their fortunes somehow, some way. Again, a team that's been hammered by injuries and COVID issues. They're 1-11 in one of their last 13 outings, and their goaltending situation really took a nosedive with the news that Matt Murray was uh, was waived from their roster. And so now the goaltending is in the hands of Philip Gustafsson and, and Anton Forsberg. And oops, they both dropped the ball here. They've been atrocious in, in, in my analysis, AJ. And so there's really trouble inside the Ottawa blue line. They are hopeful that the return of Drake Batherson will solidify things among their top scoring unit. And Norris and Brown are guys that are central figures to the, the depth of the second line. And so they each chimed in for a couple of points. But this team, this team needs to have some good things fall their way. And uh, it has to begin with finding somebody who can stop pucks regularly, I think. Well, in Philadelphia, it uh, another just brutal week for them. They went 0-3. They're winless in their last seven, um, the one, you know, one of the few guys contributing offense right now, Joel Farabee, uh, who's got two goals uh, in, you know, in this, this last three games here, picked up an injury after just logging 256 of ice time uh, last night. And now they're dealing with that. They've got Derek Broussard is still out of the lineup. Uh, Ryan Ellis has been out for a while and, and really they are just struggling to find, uh, anybody that can can offer much in the way of offense right now. Uh, Carter Hart is looking not not great. Um, <laughs> 0-2 last week, 8-5-7 is the save percentage. That number was bested only slightly by Marty Jones in his one appearance, 8-8-2 save percentage. So bad goaltending, no offense. It's not a surprise that the Flyers are winless in their last seven. Yeah, and add to that, there's rumors about their longtime leader, Claude Giroux, uh, maybe dangled as trade bait if this team doesn't write its ship. And and uh, there's also been some talk that he insiders who are close to him think that he might like to come to the Canadian nation's capital to wind up his career. That'd be a big find for the Senators and, and really helpful to their leadership core. But we're getting way ahead of ourselves. Just, just speculation that came across my newswire this past week. I'm also happy for Morgan Frost. Uh, the youngster was a first-round draft pick a couple of years ago, had some uh, injuries that have really s- slowed his development, but he had two points last week, and he finds himself on the second line here on the left side. Good spot for him in a scoring line situation. Philly so hope makes the most of it. Uh, at this point, AJ, we take a break. We'll be back to take our look at the remaining teams, beginning with your favorite club, Listeners are tuned in to Statsman and AJ on Puckcast, Rotowire's signature hockey pod. We'll be back right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. All right, we're back, but let's have another word from our main sponsor now, Owner's Box. Over to you, AJ. Are you looking for a new way to play fantasy sports? Owner's Box offers two game types, tournament salary cap, and head-to-head live drafts. All new players receive a $25 bonus when they deposit $10 or more on the platform. Be sure to check out Owner's Box's new Super Flex Salary Cap game, a revolutionary new way to play fantasy football that brings a strategic alternative to the traditional season-long formats in daily fantasy contests. The Superflex salary cap format, available only on Owner's Box, removes the kicker and defensive position slots and focuses only on offensive players. 
Users will build their nine-player lineup while staying under the $50,000 salary cap. Large prize pools will be available throughout the season. The Superflex position gives the user the option to select an additional quarterback, running back, wide receiver, or tight end. Ultimately, it makes the quarterback a premium position versus other fantasy formats. And don't worry, listeners, Owner's Box also has NHL contests, including GPP tournaments for their unique one-week fantasy format. Play the Owner's Box Salary Cap Contest for free. Use promo code DREW9, that's D-R-E-W-9, for a free $10 entry into the Sunday-only Salary Cap Contest. AJ, we are just past the quarter mark in the season, and uh, we're giving out advice on today's show from some players that could be added in season-long format, could be helpful to your teams. We've got a form chart now. Some players that we didn't highlight at the beginning of the season have emerged, and others have kind of rehabilitated their image. I cite Truba as an example that I brought up earlier. To find out more about those people and players, and if you're considering them, we encourage you to reach out to us. Uh, send your comments or questions if you want to talk about fantasy hockey with us, you can reach out to me on Twitter at Statsman22. You can follow AJ at AJScholes24. We'll be happy to share our thoughts with you on, on these and any other questions you have in upcoming your upcoming pods that you tune in on a regular basis. You get more tidbits during the show, but reach out to us during the week. We're happy to get back to you. AJ, I'm going to give you the floor when it comes to the Pittsburgh Penguins. I just want to say that north of the border – we have seen Tristan Jardy. He's white hot right now, and he's getting strong consideration to be a participant in uh, Team Canada's goaltending mix, which is which is up for grabs. And uh, I want to know what you think about what he's doing right now, and also the return of uh, your captain is big news in Pittsburgh. Well, Paul, before we dive into that, I, I was watching the the game broadcast last night, and they're asking people in the arena in Edmonton who should be the Team Canada captain this year. Uh, whether it should be Sidney Crosby or Connor McDavid. Now, what I what I saw on that uh, that broadcast, all of the Penguins fans obviously said Crosby, but I thought it was more telling that about half of the Ottawa or Edmonton fans, rather, that they asked, uh, still said Crosby. So, what what would be your take on that, Paul? Who should captain Team Canada? I think it's got to be Sid Sidney Crosby, AJ. The the guy has a resume, not just for a regular season, strong efforts in the regular season, but he's done on the chips that mattered the most on the biggest stage for Canada and also with the cup wins in Pittsburgh. McDavid is a little bit shy in those latter areas. He hasn't had the international exposure, first of all, except for his junior career, and he certainly hasn't enjoyed the playoff success for Sidney Crosby. And so I think that's the tiebreaker for me. And, uh, you know, it, it's almost a little premature to make the handoff when I still think there's a lot of miles left in Sid the Kid. Yeah, uh, I mean, obviously I agree with you, but not being uh, Canadian, I, I don't have a say in that uh, <laughs> that debate. Um, I will lead us into the Penguins then. And uh, kind of the, the biggest news is is Brian Russ back on IR, uh, deemed week to week with uh, a lower body injury. Uh, that's a huge blow for a guy that already missed an extended chunk of time, uh, most of October uh, with, with an injury. So obviously Pittsburgh will have to make do. And it's been Evan Rodriguez who stepped in to that spot um, in the in the top line. And you look – 
last six games, he's got five points uh, and and goes to show what, what you like to call the sidekick theory, Paul. Uh, Evan Rodriguez playing with Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel, suddenly very productive uh, and, and really not, not much of a surprise there. Uh, and obviously, you know, you mentioned Tristan Jari. Uh, even with the, the game last night against Edmonton that, that didn't go our way, which, you know, there's a lot of teams that lose games to Edmonton and, and goaltenders that get uh, beat up by them. He still posted a 9.36 save percentage and 1.63 goals against average in his last three games. Uh, that one real bad outing that they had was uh, by Casey DeSmith, but even he only gave up three goals. Uh, that that six spot is a little misleading uh, because of those empty netters. I'll dive right in to Seattle then for us as well here, Paul. Um, you look 2-1-1 one, one last week. I think the biggest news that really uh, honestly came out of nowhere, you know, um, I don't know how many of our listeners know, but basically as part of the Rotowire uh, breaking news crew, our, our job is to kind of dig up all the latest news and, and be watching for that. And the fact that Chris Dreeser suddenly yesterday popped up on, on injured reserve really came out of nowhere. There was no um, indication anywhere that I could find at least that he had been hurt or when he had been hurt. So, um, you know, two wins, just five goals allowed over the last week ha- had a really solid week, but now um, they're going to have to use Philip Grubauer at least for the next couple of games here. Now that he's on IR, um, they've also got injuries to Jordan Eberly. Jaden Schwartz, Kelly Yarncrock is on IR as well. Like things starting to kind of pile up for Seattle here. And unfortunately that comes when they seem to be doing well, you know, two, one and one in the last week, Donato had three goals. Everly had two McCann two, Appleton two. like they're starting to find offense. They were getting solid net mining, but then have, you know, it's not just depth guys that are hurt for them here, right? Like Everly Schwartz, Dreger technically maybe the backup goalie, but um, more the one B in my opinion. So some big losses here that they're trying to scramble and deal with. I agree with you. And I mean, we, I kind of, uh, gave us a bad grade for, uh, missing on a couple of guys that had breakout season. We didn't anticipate, but I think we nailed our analysis with Seattle and the top guys that would emerge here. We had Donato on that list. We had Everly, McCann, Gord, Donskoy, they've all been consistent scorers for this club, and they rose to the occasion last week. They're going to be challenged, like you said, going forward with the issues that they currently have and the infirmary. In San Jose, it's been a positive turn of events for them of late. 2-1 and one was the record last week, and uh, the, the goaltending has been solid. James, James Reimer, 2-1 and one on the week with six goals against and in one shutout as well. He's kind of wrested control of the crease from all comers, and uh, I expect him to continue with that run going forward. And uh, up front, Timo Myers had an outstanding season, and he continued with four goals last week. But Logan Couture is a guy who's quietly continued to go about what he does every year, and that's be a point-of-game guy. And I still find that he's not fully owned in, in a lot of leagues that are out there. So I would grab the opportunity to pick him up as soon as possible if you're in season-long play, if he's available. A center like him playing number one uh, minutes, at this stage of the season, going unclaimed is, is a luxury for anybody who can scoop him up at the moment. So that's a little season-long pool tip. And Eric Carlson's a guy that a lot of people soured on AJ because he's not the 70-point defenseman anymore. But what caught my eye is that he's a plus four so far this season after a couple of seasons where he was a big minus. 
So if plus minus factors in and you're looking for offense on the back end, you could do a lot worse than a guy who's looking better than he has in the last couple of seasons in San Jose. Well, there's really only one thing to talk about today uh, when it comes to the St. Louis Blues, and that is the fact that Jordan Bennington was placed on the COVID protocols after testing positive, which means at a minimum he's going to miss the next 10 days, which is four games for them. Uh, and that's only if he has no symptoms. If he if he develops any symptoms, it, it could be longer. At least that's as far as I understand um, how the protocols work uh, in, in the NHL, which is, you know, a bit of a trick to figure out. So they're going to need Vili Huso to really step up here. He's had a strong uh, start to the year. He's 3-1-0 and in four appearances, 1.76 goals against average, one shutout in there as well, but just hasn't played much. I mean, really uh, underwhelming. So uh, that's one to watch. Now, obviously, we would never cheer for injuries, but uh, one interesting talking point to monitor here is because of their cap situation, they actually can't call up Charlie Lindgren until tomorrow which means they're going to use as their backup netminder tonight, Kyle Conan, uh, who last played in 2019-20 for Grand Valley State University. Wow. Uh, so an e-bug will be serving as the number two for the Blues tonight. So if something were to happen to Vili Huso, which again, we're not hoping for, um, but something to monitor that their, their next best option uh, is a guy who's never really played uh, above, you know, kind of the junior development college level uh, of, of hockey. I wonder if they're looking for David Ayers, who uh, made his claim to fame by <laughs> Maple Leafs last year. I will wear that one for the rest of my life, I'm sure, as a Leaf fan, AJ. In Tampa, the defending champs went 1-1-1 one, one, and one last week, but Corey Perry has established himself there just as he did in Montreal, a key cog in their offense. He's getting a look on power play right now. They've had a couple of injury issues. Stephen Stampos missed the game to welcome a second child to his family, so congratulations to him. And Perry took advantage of these opportunities to lead the attack with two goals and one assist. Taylor Radish chipped in with two assists, a name that's not on the tip of people's tongues when they talk about Tampa's situation. He's a filler right now until they get back at full strength. Anthony Sorelli with a goal and one helper. He's a guy that will move into the second line uh, scoring situation because Braden Point lands on the IR and will miss a month due to his upper body injury. So Sorelli's been in the two slot before, but he's now going to be pressed into that two-way role uh, more than the check-in assignment that he has had at times when he was a third-liner on this club. And uh, Sergachev, their up-and-coming defenseman, they're grooming him slowly and carefully. He's getting third-line minutes, third-pairing minutes, but he's chipped in with five points in his last six games played after a bit of a suspect start. I was beginning to worry about him, but he showed the offensive side of his game once again, and I think he's still a reasonable choice if you're looking for offensive help. Again, Tampa's a solid squad, and he is well insulated to get a lot of high-leverage minutes over in that circumstance. Well, as I lead us into Toronto here, I'll just say you know two, two quick things to keep an eye on. Andre Kasha... On IR, obviously uh, a bit of a, a depth concern there, but so far they've been able to manage that without any problem. Joseph Wool uh, picked up an injury as well, which just means Michael Hutchinson will serve as the backup at least until Morazic comes back. But again, Jack Campbell is the starter here. And then finally, 
I will let uh, you know our users know that you can leave the podcast now unless you're from Toronto. I would circle back in about 15 to 20 minutes um, when Paul's done, and, and we'll move on to Vancouver at that point. Well, you know what? I'll try and be brief, but let me get the high points. <laughs> a five-game win streak, AJ. It's the third time they got a five-game win streak on their ledger. They're 15-2 and two in their last seven games. Jack Campbell's a guy. I'd be curious to know what the odds are in him at the Visitor Trophy race because he's second to Jacob Marstrom in the goals against category right now. Picked up two more wins, allowing a total of four goals against last week. Austin Matthews is on a heater, and that's bad news for goalies everywhere. Five goals for him, and all of a sudden, he's in the top 10 NHL goal scorers again. And I think it won't be long before he's right up behind uh, Alexander Ovechkin. The way Matthews is playing, he's, I see some growth to his game, if you can imagine, uh, that he's become more of a 200-foot player, and he's getting a lot of goals in close, as well as releasing that Howard Sora wrist, wrist shot. Leading the offense in total points last week, though, was John Tavares, and I don't hear anybody talking about, oh, the cap hit of $11 million for a guy that is getting longer in the tooth. He's still only 30, folks, and he's four years into this contract, and he's playing the best hockey that I've seen him play in the Toronto jersey. Speaking of players playing their best hockey in a Toronto jersey, the same goes for Alexander Kerfoot, uh, a subject of a lot of trade rumors as well. But he's fit in very well in the second-line wing position. I think that's his home. He's got four more points there on uh, on top of the solid season to date. Even Wayne Simmons, a fourth-liner who has been second and third earlier in his career, loves it in Toronto, and he's got two goals and one helper to his resume. And uh, on the back end, a defensive shutdown pairing combined for four points between them and Jake Muzzin and, and uh, TJ Brody. I'm done, AJ. How did I do it? Less than 15 <laughs> I think I think that came in under an hour, so it should be okay. So Vancouver's next partner, and this is a team nobody's laughing in Van City. They uh, went two and two last week, but the last two games are offering hope because they were the victories. They're two and one. Uh, the two and one mark on the week went to Thatcher Denko, who is trying to hold down the fort with allowing a total of six goals against in those three outings. So you can't blame him for the troubles for the club over the last little while. He's been very good in the Nets and uh, facing a lot of rubber, and still the numbers are pretty decent. Tyler Mott, two goals. Tanner Pearson, two goals. Scott, uh, Connor Garland is a guy that I had a lot of time for. He had been in a bit of a slump, AJ, but finding the mark with a couple of goals, a total of four points as well. Uh, good news for them on the offensive side of the puck. And uh, there, Hughes, the brother of, of the Hughes in New Jersey, a defenseman here. He had six assists last week, and Rates is one of the top-scoring blue liners as well. Uh, J.T. Miller has assumed a top-line scoring situation and produced four points for them last week, and that's because he got the opportunity because Elias Pettersson has been relegated to third-line minutes. That's the big news that I see here, A.J., in terms of roster updates. 13 minutes a game for a guy who should be their signature offensive piece, and he's not moving from that situation as long as Miller's performing like he is. And their captain, Bo Horvat, is uh, holding out, up his end of the bargain as well. In Sin City, it's uh, a bit of a rough week for them. 0-2, oh, uh, Robin Leonard's numbers not great. Uh, a .873 save percentage, 4.14 goals against average. It would be really great if they had another netminder that they could use there. Um, but, of course, they didn't need one heading into the season. Uh, in terms of the offensive side, uh, there's not, you know, there's some good news. Patch already three points in those two games. Uh, Mark Stone, a, a, a pair of helpers. So they're, they're getting production out of some of those guys. 
I think you'd be looking like you got to be looking more from a guy like Dadnov, right? No points in those two games and, and really a, a quiet, uh, you know, kind of quiet season for him overall. When you consider, uh, you know, his last couple of games, he's got just one assist in his last seven. And, and that's certainly not good enough, especially when you consider the number of players that have been out at points during the year. You would have expected a player like Dadnov to step up and maybe look like the guy who put up 65 points in 2017 or 70 points in 2018. I mean, uh, at, at this point, you'd be happy with even the 47-point the guy from uh, his last year in Florida when he played just 69 games. Like, it, you know, and, and you need more out of a player like him. Um, and obviously, they, they need better net minding from, from Robin Leonard as well. Yeah, and I mean, they have to be thrilled that Stone and Pacioretty are back, but the happiest guy on the club has to be Chandler Stevenson, who has is having his, a career-best season, despite the fact he's been without his regular line mates for much of the early part of the season. And I think he's available in a lot of fantasy leagues, too. I took a look this morning, and I scooped him up on my roster, AJ, because he's, he's got almost a point a game, and I think it's only going to go higher from here with the, the return of the two leaders of this offense. Uh, and for, for my money, though, I think Washington is still a team that still rates among the top clubs in the league. They got two wins and a loss last week. Samson off and Nets for all three of those games, giving up a rather high 10 goals against. He's now started six of the last seven, so they're kind of giving him a run in the Nets that uh, Vitek Banasek uh, had performed admirably in the early going, but they want to see what they have in this youngster who is deemed the goalie of the future. And I guess they've determined that the future is now. They want to see what they have. And uh, he's delivering the goods for the most part. And speaking of delivering the goods, Alexander Ovechkin, four more goals. He's four more closer to Wayne Gretzky. And a lot more people are talking about the topic that we raised last season, that uh, that all-time goals against record is really in jeopardy. And uh, I think it's going to be a lot more excitement around this club over the next five years that Ovechkin has signed there. I think it's only a matter of time before that number falls. And that'll be a big celebration around the league, I do think. Tom Wilson, the league's uh, unique player, the unicorn, a lot of people call him. He had six points last week, too. So about producing the great eight, he's now moved to the right wing on the second line, AJ. So spreading the roster out. And I think uh, in large part, they're able to do that because young Alexi Protest has been given the role in the right wing on the top line. And you talk about uh, the ultimate sidekick opportunity right right across the ice from, from Alexander Ovechkin, another Alexi. And he has scored three points last week. So uh, I wonder how long he holds on to the role, I guess, as long as he keeps scoring. But uh, a real nice addition to the top six here as if they needed that kind of help. They're looking to get healthy, and TJ Oshie is still a ways away from that. So a nice uh, plug-and-play with Protus right now. And uh, on the back end, Dmitry Orlov, speaking of guys that are on career pay- best paces, he's now offering this club another offensive look from the back end in addition to John Carlson. He's on a career best pace, AJ, with 14 points in the 23 games played so far this season. Finally, we'll round it out with the Winnipeg Jets here. And you look at the fact that they went 1-5-1 and one in the last seven games. My immediate reaction is the, is going to be to look at the net mining, right? Like they, they have a pretty talented group of guys at the forwards, maybe Hellubuck struggling or something, and really not. I mean, yes, we've come to expect, you know, really high things from Connor Hellubuck, but a 9-2-6 save percentage over that stretch with a 2.2 goals against average he played in six 
of those seven games. Obviously, you know, Eric Comrie, whatever, his numbers weren't great in his one game, but that's not what we're worried about here in terms of long-term success. So then obviously the only explanation is, is really the lack of offense that we're getting from them. And again, you look over these, these last, uh, you know, last six games here for them um, or last seven games, rather, there's a lot of guys that, you know, you should probably be concerned about Blake Wheeler, two helpers over that stretch, Neil Pionk, who's kind of supposed to be their top offensive producer, also two assists. Now they've only had Paul Stastny back for three of those games. So I'll give him a little bit of a pass, but um, even, you know, Kyle Connor, four points in seven games. Okay. Uh, That's certainly a decent production out of him. But you also have to look at the fact that they've got one power play goal, over those last seven games. Uh, so another kind of big concern for this team, uh, you know, in, in terms of getting production. Um, and there's only so much that Connor Hellybuck can do. If he's not going to get any offense, he's not going to be able to rack up wins, which is unfortunate for fantasy owners out there because, you know, obviously you want a guy that's playing every night. He falls into that category. You want a guy that's you know, got a good pedigree, has racked up wins in the past. And again, that applies to him. But if he's not getting any offense, there's only so much that he can do. And uh, that's so that's the news and notes from around the league, all 32 clubs with the changes. And we mentioned a lot of clubs streaking in different directions. And the infirmary has been busy with COVID and other injuries cropping up. We're doing our best to keep you updated. And we think it's critical that we you listen into this show to get the best advice in that regard. But we also turn our attention to DFS play where AJ and I put together our best lineups in FanDuel and DraftKings environments. I've done the FanDuel one and AJ will give us the DraftKings one before I reveal my choices. So go ahead, partner. What have you got for us in store tonight? Yeah, absolutely. Before I I dive into that, I I would encourage any of our uh, listeners out there who, who are playing on DraftKings to go check us out um, on DraftKings YouTube show. It's on every day uh, at, uh, let me do the math right here, 11 o'clock Eastern. Um, you can check us out on there. Or if you don't happen to catch it then, um, the show is usually shared on their YouTube channel. Or you can always find it through social media as well as, as another avenue. So go check it out. And that will give you some more insight on, on what we're doing, at least for the DraftKings portion of this. And, and really, you can try and carry some of that over. Uh, into FanDuel as well. The the players might work. The salaries obviously obviously won't. But in terms of what I did here, I started out with two uh, lower priced uh, centers tonight. Um, but really, that's because I want to do uh, a, a big big stack here. So I'll I'll start with the guys that I'm not stacking. My kind of outliers, and that starts with Nico Heischer. Uh, you mentioned you know that they moved Jack Hughes to the wing, um, which I actually think. Long-term, it's maybe not the best choice. You would like some depth. But in terms of short-term production, I, th- I think it could really work out between him and Heischer on the same line. You've got Heischer on a nine-game goal drought, but he's got six helpers over that stretch. He comes in at 4,700. Uh, he's got a, a powerful playmaker uh, on his wing now in Jack Hughes. And I think, if, if not goals, more assists should come in, in that setting. And then I also have, at the wing position, I've got Carter Verhage tonight for Florida at 4,000. They've got a fantastic matchup going up against Buffalo. 
Um, they did a little bit of a shuffle around, and it's going to be Verhege that plays on the top line with Sam Bennett, who's obviously going to be motivated for the revenge game factor, and Jonathan Huberto. So I, I love Verhege here in that spot. I'm literally rounding out the rest of my offense with the Carolina Hurricanes. I, I love the fact that they're going up against Ottawa. I think you can get some of these guys relatively cheap or lower drafted percentage percentages because they've been struggling a little bit lately in terms of offense. But I'm going to use the full freight of uh, Vincent Trocek at 4,200, Sebastian Ajo, 7,500, Andres Svechnikov, 7,600, Tuvo Teravainen, at 5,300, basically their number one power play unit. Um, and I, I do think it, it's obviously a boom or bust strategy to go that heavy into one team, but there's an opportunity here for them to put up some big points against an Ottawa team that is just leaking goals. Guys can get you know back in action after kind of struggling for a little bit. Um, I'll carry that even into my defense, partially because I just spent too much money um, and I needed a, a kind of a low cost guy here, but Max LaJoy uh, for them logged two minutes of power play, 214 actually of power play ice time in their most recent game with uh, Tony D'Angelo, Brett Pesci, and Ethan Bear all sidelined. So I would expect him to continue to see power play opportunities again. So at 2,500, you're really just banking on him uh, having a, a good opportunity with that game. If he picks up even a couple shots at 2,500, that, that's a good return on investment. Because I went so low with one of my defensemen, I was able to spend up for Aaron Ekblad, who's just having a red-hot season right now. Um, he's right up there with the league leaders in terms of defensive points um, and, and really showing uh, why, you know, why he's their power play anchor and, and leading the way there. 18 shots on goal in his last five games. So he's got a really solid floor, even if he doesn't get a point, but he's been racking up goals and assists over that stretch as well. And then in the pipes, I decided instead of going with Carolina only because of price point, I, I would happily use anti Ranta if I could fit him in. Um, but I'm going to go with Aiden Hill tonight for San Jose, 7,600 bucks, significantly cheaper um, I would feel a little bit better if James Reimer was going tonight, but I'll still use Hill going against an Islanders team that is averaging just 1.88 goals per game right now on the year. Again, they're coming off having missed, you know, having two games postponed due to COVID. They're still missing some of their major pieces, and I'm just not expecting them to be firing on all cylinders tonight, and I think it's a good spot to use a low-cost netminder like Aiden Hill. AJ, I, I love your lineup. I'm, I'm going to ask you to consider your goaltending situation, though. I wonder, what do you think about Jacob Markstrom and his matchup against L.A. tonight? Markstrom's the leading goaltender in the league so far this season, and L.A. is a club that's really won one of their last eight games, I believe. So that's a prime opportunity for a guy who even costs cheaper than the goal you have in place. So maybe I've given you for some food for thought or you want to flip a coin, but I'm kind of interested to know. Why might this guy be priced so low tonight? I can't figure it out. I talked about it on today, today's show as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Kings um, Kings are a better team than than Ottawa, obviously. But um, I do agree this. it's not like they're uh, racking up goals with any sort of regularity uh, right now. So uh, I do agree. I think he's a bit underpriced. And, yeah, I, I think that's a solid suggestion. Um I don't know if you've looked, Paul. I'll give you a chance to maybe check if you haven't. 
or maybe you're already using him, but I'd be curious to know how his price point works out on FanDuel compared to DraftKings, because I agree, a bit underpriced, it seems. Yeah, he's much higher. He's at $8,400, AJ. And uh, that leads me into the talk of my team. I'm not using him tonight, actually, because I love your your call on Florida. I think that's the screaming hot value play <laughs> on the board to stack the Panthers. I did the same thing, although I've got some different names. I'll go with the goalie first, since I mentioned that. I, I picked Sergei Bobrovsky. He's got one loss against 10 wins so far. I think it's going to be 11-1 after tonight with a really high win probability as the Panthers are at home where they're a tough out and the Sabres are, are looking like easy prey over there. So I think that's going to be an easy goaltending goal win. And uh, we'll go back to the top of the order here. And these are guys I mentioned earlier today, too, on that other show. When I went cheap at center as well, AJ, I think there's just a lot of value on the wings and on defense, and I wanted to get some of that in my lineup. So I talked about a couple of these guys uh, earlier on this particular episode of podcast. In terms of building my lineup, I start with cheap centers. I go with Mikhail Granlund against Boston. I know Boston is a tough team, uh, and probably name recognition tells you that it might be a tough matchup for the Predators, but you uh, say that, that, that they're, a, they're a tough team at home, and, and that's one of the toughest play, places for visiting clubs to go in and, and make a mark, and Granlin has made marks all over the place. He's got 15 points in his last 10 games, so he's producing a lot of offense, more than what might people might be led to believe when you consider a $4,800 price point. I think that's remarkable. And then uh, Logan Couture, a similar good value too, well down the list, $5,200 for a guy who's been a point-of-game guy all season long, and he gets to face that battered Islanders lineup. I mean, they've got some some people back from the infirmary, but it's their first game back. You wonder where their legs are. So I feel really good about two cheap centers there coming in at a total of $10,000. That's Connor McDavid money almost for, for one player. Then I round out my squad up front with Kirill Kaprasov, who's been the signature piece for Minnesota, and he's one of the most expensive players on the board on the wing, and I got him for $7,800 hoping that he produces at least the average of 16 points in FanDuel play that he's done every game so far this season. Then starts some of the Florida names, AJ. Jonathan Huberdeau makes the grade for, for me. He's priced at $7,600. Aaron Eckblad, I spoke about him earlier in the show. I don't normally go big in terms of defensemen, but if this guy's having such an outstanding year and this looks like a complete mismatch, so he'll participate in that stack that I have with for $6,600. Oliver Shillington, I've spoken a lot about his career best season so far with Calgary. I think that's a, a big win probability for the visitors. I, I lean on Calgary in that matchup, uh, and and he comes in at only $4,300 for a guy who plays power play minutes and regular shift in Calgary as well. Sam Reinhardt makes the grade as a top six forward against the Sabres for $5,800, and yet Jacob Voracek, you convinced me, AJ. Uh, he comes in at only $4,400, but I like what you were selling earlier and your analysis of him, so I plugged him in. So I felt obliged to give you a tip in the nets because you gave me one on the wing. So thank you for that, buddy. Well, in Paul, any case, I'll, I'll up the ante today. I've been been using your lineups in, in 25-cent entries, and, and maybe I'm jinxing it here, but I'm going to spend up a whole dollar on your lineup today, Paul. Wow, I feel guilty now. I'm going to have to send you a loony if it doesn't go well. It's <laughs> not even getting me my money back if you send me a loony. I know <laughs> I'm making, not taking all the responsibility. I'm kind of splitting the difference here, AJ. So that said, I think we both got compelling choices uh, for our listeners tonight. And I think we've done a pretty good job laying out the, the to and fro in terms of people coming on and off the injury list. That's 
that's really the goal every week uh, on our show, AJ. Before we sign off, any final thoughts from you, though, buddy? No, I mean, it's uh, <clears throat> continuing to be interesting to watch. Um, you know, some teams just happen to hit a, a COVID, uh, kind of COVID breakout, as it were. And um, so far, we're up to, I think, five postponed games so far. Um, through the first quarter of the season, which, you know, all things considered is is OK. Um, obviously, we'd like less. It'd be great if there were none. But um, hopefully, you know, we're we're getting through it as best we can and, and we'll avoid any sort of uh, larger impact and, and shutdown of any kind. Well, AJ, and you mentioned COVID. The one player in the league that is not vaccinated by by all accounts is Tyler Bertuzzi, and he made the COVID list this week. So there might be a little bit of extra concern for him, given that status. We wish him and all the others in the protocol complete recoveries. And I can't wait till we don't talk about COVID anymore on this show or even anywhere else, but it just seems to have dominated our lives. lives. But it bears mentioning that this was the one guy that didn't take the vaccines and uh, now he's on the list. So, uh, hope that everything works out for him and everybody else. AJ, that wraps up another week in our show. We, had a really good, really good swing around the, the loop and came up with a lot of good information, I think. And I hope everybody gives it a good list and takes notes and take advantage of the players that we threw out there, as well as guys you might, you might want to pick up in season long play. So we thank you for listening to Rotor Ryer's signature fantasy hockey pod podcast with Statsman and AJ. In the meantime, as always, please remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at AJ Scholes24. And we invite you to listen to the podcast to get our tips to stay out of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning. So long. Everybody.